I, I, no, no, I think I need to powder my nose just a little bit more. No, I mean, I know it's 2019 and all, but you were, shall we say, not alive for the last <laughs> bit of last year. You were on hiatus from life, as it were. For the last little bit of 2018 and the first bit of 2019. Yeah, I was out of commission. Do you need to lie down? Do you need a towel? Oh, yeah, this is taking it out of me already. I'm in a cold sweat. Uh, oh, here, lie upon this fainting couch. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, oh, my. I've, I seem to have the vapors. Aaron, I just think that maybe podcasting is too strenuous an activity for you and your very weak constitution. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. This is just, this is too much. I don't know, Aaron. I mean, it's like only you ever get sick. Uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, I, I get sick, uh, maybe once, once a season and, uh, therefore you must take care of me because you never get sick or you never feel bad. Nope. Never, ever. Whenever I feel like being sick, I just take a sabbatical. Sabbatical. Yeah. I learn about being ill. I'm not actually ill. You see, I'm just learning about it, getting a firsthand experience. And I come back, you know, renewed and ready to take on the day. I never get sick. I thought you were going to say you don't get sick, you just get awesome. Um, we could, but that would send us into a spiral of all of the painful feels of How I Met Your Mother. And it's a new year, and that show is so old now. Maybe it's time we move away from such negative energy. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> Hashtag no more How I Met Your Mother feels. Oh, my gosh. The damn finale. Okay. <laughs> She's Stop a little... it. She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to the, the idea. idea. And you're pushing my buttons on purpose. Not on purpose, but it's working. <laughs> How about we just talk about good things? Like the plugs? Like the plugs. Because, of course, as always, you can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us any ideas or questions you have at married to the idea reviews at gmail.com but we are most excited because as of january 2019 <laughs> thank you we've launched our patreon page Yay! Woo! Yeah. for those of you who are unfamiliar with patreon uh patronage started back in the 1400s but today it's <laughs> giving a history lesson mainly used to help creators create to produce an episode of Mary to the idea requires a couple of hours not just watching the movie or movies or television shows in general but paying for those things uh, sitting down to record at our really nice mics that we bought spending a couple hours editing with our editor, mainly me. <laughs> so a little bit of money and love go into making this happen. On Patreon, you can show your love with the beautiful, immediate reaction of money. It's the only love language we know here. If you decide to donate money on our Patreon every month, you get behind-the-scenes sneaks and little goodies. We will have the tiers up when this is published on Friday. So you can go check that out, see if it's something that you'd be interested in. I have the feeling that some of those tiers will get some fun swag, mayhaps. Oh, yeah. I can already see some stickerage in the future and uh, maybe a T-shirt, too. Yeah, who knows what could happen. Um, so our Patreon page, you can uh, just... Google 
Married to the Idea Patreon. Or you can go to patreon.com slash married to the idea. And if you feel like sharing that or being our first iTunes review, we're still waiting for that magical number one. (laughs) One day my review will come. You know, I really thought I was a social media whore until I started doing my own stuff and not pimping someone else and realized that I do not have enough of a social media presence just my own personal presence to get anywhere i do not have a thousand friends i have 300 carefully cultivated people that i still actually know and talk to and even then that's still pressing it yeah i did the uh how hard did aging hit you challenge i got way more reactions on it than i expected but it wasn't like a hundred it was more than 20 but it was not a hundred it's a crazy sort of market we have a billion avenues to monetize our creativity and yet so few of us actually make it work we are no McElroys let's just say that no uh, they are uh, the pantheons of podcasting good one babe <laughs> alliteration but uh, even though we are getting uh, patronages now is that the correct term patronages <laughs> sure today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. You know, I'm a bibliophile at heart, and I'm really glad that Audible is our first sponsor. I really like talking about books with you in the middle of the podcast and breaking up our pop culture monotony. Well, we did do a uh, joke of a flo- flawed. <laughs> if you That's can't totally not, say it, it's not you the aren't right allowed way to, say to say it. Say it. <laughs> it is the Icelandic tradition. I do know that. That is Icelandic uh, tradition to give a loved one a book on Christmas Eve, uh, and then you read the book that you receive until you go to sleep there is this crazy boom in publication that happens in iceland in december and that's because of jokeabook float which means everyone's like all right it's december time to publish all the books we've been saving up because now is the time when people are going to buy and i think that's so crazy that an entire market is dictated by a holiday and we uh, actually gave out books for our trivia. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was, I think that was probably one of our best trivias that we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, was not expecting that one good of a turnout and two people to react that well to getting random books that we got from a fun little sale. It inspired me to actually finish the 50 books on my haven't read yet shelf. And so far, I've read one book a week this year. Go you. Woo. I, I can see that number being 52 easy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But uh, enough about the all the other crap. Let's talk about why you clicked on the picture. Well, really, Aaron, the reason we're doing this is because you wouldn't just let me freaking talk about Venom on its own. Well, because we would just... There's not much to talk about I with just Venom. I think there's a crap ton to talk about. Well, now you can talk about all the stuff with Venom, and you'll be done in five minutes. Oh, my gosh. You have to play with me in the space. You can't just sit there <laughs> oh. saying, hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mm. now we're done. Mm-hmm. Go on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't How you does that dare. make you feel? Don't mm-hmm. you dare be tight-lipped with me. There's so much to talk no, about. I liked Venom in a, a lot of different senses, but there wasn't a lot of room to talk about with it that 
that I really felt that we could explore. You know, there's other like psychologies and subcultures that are certainly following it. And, and feel free to explore them. I'm not, you know, brains oh, are Aaron, open. Your straight white male gender is showing so hard right now. Where? Oh my God. Oh my God. You insisted we bring a comparison to the table. I brought us a comparison to the table. The hyper violent comparison of upgrade. That was. Not 100% what I was expecting. Oh, boy, it was to me. We saw the trailer. I knew exactly what it was going to be. When they cut before they he kills the first guy, I'm like, oh, this is no, bad. No, I knew it was I knew, no, I knew it was going to be hyper-violent. And believe me, it could have gone a lot worse. No, the movie in its entirety was not what I was expecting. Not that it isn't what you are thinking. It just, and I'll explain more as we go along, I just was expecting something different. Not 100%, but maybe about 25% different. Upgrade was marketed as the good Venom. No, people marketed marketed it as the good Venom. Whenever Venom came out, they were like, hey, Venom is okay, but you want to go see the good version? Go see Upgrade. And I think it's really cool to see these two in comparison. So I guess you win this one, Aaron. And and some people, this made their top 10 of 2018 list, which utterly surprises me. Well, let's talk about why you don't want to talk about Venom, first of all. Because out of the both of us, I would think you'd be so psyched to talk about, oh, your favorite super comic character. Uh, he's definitely one of my uh, favorite anti-heroes, uh, especially in the Marvel Universe, uh, because he was one of my first. When I was young, I got a four comic book action figure set. It was a toy and a comic book in one, and I got a uh, classic suit Spider-Man symbiote slash black suit Spider-Man Venom, and then a cool one or kind of fun, weird kind of silly one where spider-man gets hit with this potion thing that turns him into man bug or man spider thing where he gets like extra arms and stuff so it's kind of weird and i play with those toys for uh, ever um but that that's what drew me into comics to begin with but i never watched spider-man 3 but i've seen enough of it to know that Wait, no no you have no no are you joking hyperbolically there is no spider-man 3 have you really never i've never fully seen spider-man 3 in its entirety i have seen probably 50 percent of the movie because of people talking about how bad it is how have i seen it and you not that was because i knew how bad it was before it came out someone told me about it i remember when i was a kid someone was like yeah don't go see it it's not gonna be good i'm like why they were like do you actually know who venom is and i go yeah he's a big hulking guy and he's he's a bad guy but he can be good at sometimes because the uh the issue that i got for venom was lethal protector one of the first times that he actually protected people and you know was a good guy for a little bit the the person i was talking to said yeah the person they cast for venom is topher grace from that 70s show the main character eric from that 70s show is playing venom and instantly I was sold to never see that movie. Now, here's the thing for me. It doesn't matter to me what he looks like. It doesn't matter to me what Topher Grace looks like if he doesn't look like 
Eddie Brock as he does in the comic because, to be fair, I don't think the guy who plays him in Venom looks much like he does in the comic book either. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think the real reason that the Venom from Spider-Man 3 tanked, one, you didn't give him enough screen time when he's been built up as the big bad that Spider-Man's always been playing off of, but two, it just turned him into a Gollum Jekyll and Hyde, and that's not what Venom is. Venom is not a Jekyll and Hyde character. He's not a he's not Bruce Banner in the Hulk. He's not, oh, I'm fighting against my inner demons, or oh, it turned me evil. It's literally two entities inhabiting the same space. It's literally a perversion of all of your worst nightmares. So it was weird to see that happen, especially when you had it in a movie with Spider-Man. Spider-Man 3 does Venom a greater disservice than Venom does. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to disagree on that. (laughs) No, Spider-Man 3 is terrible. Spider-Man 3 is terrible for so many reasons, including the absolute disservice that... Peter Parker goes through when dealing with the symbiote suit because that is one of the best storylines in Marvel period so yeah Spider-Man 3 is terrible Venom is not terrible in fact Venom does the symbiote relationship between this kind of stuff better than Spider-Man 3 or any movie that I've seen up until Upgrade yeah so let's talk about Upgrade we're gonna do very minor plot because it's more about character and themes but we will yeah. say the uh, the premise behind it is that a man is given the chance to have an artificial intelligence embedded in his spine to help him walk again and it's supposed to be just that it's not supposed to do anything else he comes to find out oh no it actually is talking to him in his head it's giving him ideas it's helping him solve crimes it's a lot more than anyone had anticipated it would be. So already we have a really obvious combination of just this other, this entity present inside a human being's brain, motivating them, driving them, directing them, who is really in charge, who is really the creation at this point. And as far as character arcs go, I'm not okay with the fridging. And if you know the term fridging, you'll know that that's a really common thing that happens in a lot of movies where the male protagonist has to find, like, the, the movie has to start, basically. And so they fridge a character, often a woman, close to our male lead, as an impetus to give him motivation to start the plot. And it's not always a uh, female character for a male character. Sometimes it's a male character for a male character. Sometimes it's a male character for a female character. It's happened both ways. It's a, it's a, what happens is it's a cliche, unfortunately. And it's a cliche that has been used by many directors, story writers. It's not, as gender uh, specific as people like to make it out to be. Its origins are. Its origins 100% are. But it has... I mean, I'm watching an anime right now that literally was kickstarted by a girl who found her father that was stabbed in the chest with a sword. Yeah. You want to talk about fridging. Half of the animes out there are started by fridges. So it's like... It's a really easy way for a director to kickstart his plot. 100%. It's simple. It's not as complex. Doesn't mean it's better or worse. It just means it's screenwriting 101. Yeah, it, there there are better ways to do it, but it's what happens is it's a revenge story with a lot of sci-fi elements 
put onto it. It's almost like it's a revenge story with biomechanical implants. Yes. Which is kind of funny because of what the movie actually is. <laughs> so There's a crazy amount of pathos in it, too. The reason why Upgrade, I think, made so many people's top ten is because it is an emotionally driven story. One thing I absolutely have to give this movie, this lead actor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm sure there are plenty of actors who could have done this movie justice, too. But I don't know. I This guy. And boy, is he striking resemblance to Tom Hardy. There, there, is, some, there is some resemblance. He's got a little bit more humility. It might be a, it might be the right term, but this actor, man, did he do? I felt the emote. I like, like, literally, it was pounding me in the face. Oh, was it the uh, scene when his mother yeah, is cutting his hair yeah. and he just freaking loses it? Yeah, my our friend John was like, "When is this movie gonna start?" And I'm like, "No, no, it is it here right to. now. Without it this emotional core, this. none of the asking later is gonna mean a lick." No, because if you if you skip over this or if you go through it too fast, then it's not worth anything. If you dive in and if you go into it too much, then the rest of it isn't worth anything. You have to balance it correctly. Now, here's the funny thing. I don't think I I did not watch the first 25 minutes of Venom. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, maybe I missed the entire emotional core of Venom during Uh, those first 20 minutes. You see, that's the problem that and that's where people have issues with Venom versus Upgrade is because Venom didn't really start until Eddie Brock gained Venom. And whereas with Upgrade, the movie starts at the beginning and it continues even when he is paralyzed. To be fair, I figured out everything without that first 25 minutes. I literally walked in. I'm like, oh, that's the evil guy. That's the good guy. Yeah. That's the ex-wife. Very good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was really, yeah. Like, it almost, the first 25 minutes was almost unnecessary. Like, I was walking out of the theater to take a call as I saw the crash-landed spaceship. I'm like, oh, Okay. Yes, good, okay, and then come back later. I understand. 20 minutes have passed. Nothing has been lost. I understand it all perfectly. They the, said that about, uh, <laughs> I always bring it back to this, they absolutely said that about uh, Beauty and the Beast, too. Not the second Beauty and the Beast, just Beauty and the Beast as well. They came with the first draft, and 45 minutes into the movie, we finally meet the Beast, and they're like, it ta- it's taking too long. You've got to cut, cut, cut. We have to find that character quickly because he is the other half of this title. You're going to call your movie Venom. Venom has to show up like soon, like yesterday. He shows up within 25 minutes. He does. So I think they, they pushed it to the extent that they could, but they pushed it. Yeah. I, like the first 25 minutes is unnecessary. Not, not unnecessary, but it's unnecessarily long. Most people were mad that Venom was not R. I honestly do not give two shits about the rating system because... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. FYI, if you if I have not said this before on this podcast in the first two seasons, uh, fuck the mo- motion picture... Uh, Association uh, of America. Uh, Association of America. If you don't know it's, who they are, you can't curse them. It's ran by a crook, and it's, um, it's better now than it has been in the last... Uh, than it was like the last five years it's gone through some major changes it keeps hollywood under the presumption that the major market to appeal to is 13 year old boys when in fact that is the least appealable market you could go for exactly 
and the whole reason it was started was for a good was for a good reason and then it then of course it succumbed to greed it came about came out curse words oh they said fuck well it's our no, now that's the thing and you don't know what the rating system actually was for the longest damn time because you there were some movies where you could say the word fuck three times and it wouldn't be r there is a great i'm talking I, the one of the best documentaries i have ever seen is called this movie is not yet rated now it is a little outdated at this point because it was made so long ago and they have gone through changes since then and the movie was actually a pretty big reason why but it is super super well done if you've not watched it go watch it i actually had to watch it for college and i was in i was enthralled with it the entire time but back to venom and upgrade venom when eddie brock gets venom the movie gets better what does that have to do with the rating oh i'm sorry i I forgot we were talking about the rating 100 you totally ghosted right over my comparison like no no but i have more things to say we'll get to your things if we if if it was r it would show more blood but that's it personally and i don't think anyone's gonna agree with me on this i think the more that we show that kind of stuff. Even in an R-rated movie, the more we become we become desensitized to it. The more anticipation and terror you put on what could happen versus what you show is how masterpieces get made and how you actually show true, genuine horror as opposed to watch how easily I peel the flesh off this guy. There and you you have you make a good point in the way of someone who hasn't seen some truly amazing horror scenes and let's please understand that's not a put down uh, you have actually probably seen some of the greatest horror scenes of all time i've actually made you watch the top 100 uh, scariest movie scenes that uh, bravo put on forever ago yeah and very few of them have to do with gore exactly so the suspense is the best part however there are some where if they work together they work really well I there's one um, I won't describe it. There's one scene that does both that really it, it, it has gore and suspense that like whenever I think of it, it chills me down to my spine, like inside of my spine. It's and been it's, a while since I had to cover my eyes during a movie. Yeah. Now, without going too much into details, because we're pretty when it's going to stay spoiler free for this this whole thing. But Upgrade has a few scenes. I mean, it's hyper violent anyways, but there are a couple scenes as someone who doesn't care about that stuff or doesn't mind it at all. In fact, enjoys it for the most part. The first time you see it, it's unnecessary. I said it when we were watching it. It's like, Unnecessary because you weren't expecting it. I said this while we were watching the movie. The reason I watched Deadpool was in spite of the gore, not because of it. But I remember the exact same reaction happening with the very first scene on the highway. Motorcycle dude's head gets chopped clean off. I was not ready for that to happen. But even that, what that was a different level of gore or of the way it was shot they wrapped it inside a superhero fantastical 
car chase. By doing that, you remove some of the realism of it. By having it a fist fight literally inside a house with objects at hand and upgrade, you bring the immediacy and reality of it right to the forefront. That's probably tr- that's probably really really true. You're you know what you're you're right. I'm, I'm not going to put the signifier because it sounds like I'm trying to degrade it. Score so. one for Elizabeth in 2019. Add yeah. it to the marker. I'm I'm absolutely going to give you that because I felt like I was trying to degrade it. So <laughs> I'm ex- I'm absolutely going to give you that. Uh, that you're absolutely right on that. So it deserves and, and to like, be R is what I'm saying. So and then later on there was another thing where I was like this is that like what happened at the end of a fight which was super gory and you saw it all I was like oh my god that was so cool yeah you and John like oh yeah yeah go get I'm like oh my god I'm gonna puke like it was that was better done than that first fight which was it's so maybe because of how sudden the first one was and it's just how visceral it was and the second one it kind of like worked in it into the fight better so maybe it was because the fight was better done the second time than the first time it's quite possible but i think with venom if it was r because there were some times that like just because the camera was not showing that's what i'm saying like i think venom was r even though the mpaa didn't rate it that it has to do thematically it always has to be thematically it's why i'm really mad that eighth grade is r eighth grade is meant to be seen by eighth graders because that's how eighth graders really are but they yeah wouldn't but let i bet you it's it. rated r because of some sort of curse s- words and sexuality it, yeah fuck the mpaa <laughs> fuck them fuck them fuck them you can't handle sexuality because america is dumb aaron you have such strong opinions tonight <laughs> So, the way America can handle violence. So, like, with all of that crap. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Work in a comic book shop. Moms come in and say, I'm looking for a comic for my kids. I'm like, oh, this little five-year-old right here? Oh, I'd recommend this or this. She's like, what about this? I'm like, I don't think so. I mean, it's pretty violent. She's like, are there any curse words in it? No, it's okay then. And I want to scream. Yeah, he plays Mortal Kombat. No. What the fuck? That's why I talk about desensitization. There are still scenes. Yeah. They were ta- uh, Actually... Just right today, they were talking about a scene that got cut from the new Halloween remake, which was of an upside-down, dead-hanging dog that Laurie stumbled across in the forest. And they cut that because they knew it would be too much for audiences because we have become desensitized to human violence. Mike Myers crushes a child's skull in this movie, snaps his neck clean off, but the dog scene was too much because we're still not okay with animal violence. It's still taboo. I mean, there are movies that have animal violence. I truthfully, and this is just a straight up opinion. But would you watch a Saw movie where they were torturing animals? Well, technically, no, they never torture animals in those. They they have one part with pigs, but they're not tortured. They're already dead. Yeah. Um, But the thing is, is there are movies with animal torture like that, sort of. But truth, truthfully, and as an it's just an opinion. I hate those movies. Oh, yeah. Because I don't like animal torture. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we're we're exhibiting it right now that American audiences are still not okay with this particular form of violence. And have become desensitized to other forms. That's what I'm saying is, is like, Americans are okay with human violence to the point where we, little kids can play Mortal Kombat and be okay, but Lord forbid if a woman flashes her breast. Whereas is a lot of Asian countries or your even European countries, it's it's the complete opposite. 
and one has to wonder who does it better. Me, I'm going to lean more the other way. I would say moderation is key in both factors. That's probably, you, you're right. You know what? Go and give yourself another point. Number two. <laughs> so why am I the one giving up points? We're, this is a partnership. <laughs> I am not in control of you. Speaking of partnership. Not toxic, damn it. Very good. You are the best a man can get. Speaking of partnerships, why don't we talk about our book recommendation? Oh for yeah, this so yeah, let's let's uh, break for the half point. Yeah, this is that's a pretty good halfway point. That's what I thought too. I'm gonna give myself a half a point for that one. Yeah, halfway marker, halfway point. Well, today's interesting talk is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering all of our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com/slash married to the idea. And browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audio book publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Um, just make sure that it is married T.O. the idea, not number two the idea. So, audibletrial.com, married T.O. the idea. We were talking about the genre for Upgrade is pretty much firmly science fiction because of the environment that they've placed our characters in. There are cars that drive themselves. There are artificial intelligences that can help people walk again. There are... Drones. Uh, drones for the police force there are uh microchips in your teeth alexas in your home yeah there's uh, oh wait we already have that (laughs) it's begun not without internet but it got us thinking about the idea of a symbiote as it were of a creation versus a creator of something that you gave life to that yet tears up at you why elizabeth that sounds like a classic novel of sorts it does aaron tell us what is our book recommendation for today well creator versus creation why that sounds like the mary shelley novel of frankenstein and guess what's on audible.com tell me who narrates it well, there are multiple versions of Frankenstein by you Mary Shelley. You always find a good one, though. You always find there, a real good one. There is one by Derek Jacoby, who Doctor Who fans would know him as the master from the Tenet series. And there are a couple others. But our recommendation for today specifically, while it's only it is a shorter version, I believe it's more of a radio play, if you will. And it is... Uh, narrated slash performed by Kenneth Branagh and Robert De Niro. Kenneth Branagh of um, multiple fames, but you would probably know him best from Harry Potter being Professor Gilderoy Lockhart. Me, I know him from multiple directors things, including... <sighs> I haven't seen the trailer yet, and we're watch- I'm waiting to see it on the big screen. 
Oh, you are? Yeah. Because I was thinking we would uh, watch and do a little reaction video as our first Patreon post that only Patreons can get. Ooh, good idea. So, that's, that's a really good idea. But he is actually directing the Disney, uh, could be terrible, adaptation of one of my favorite books of all time, Artemis Fowl. I'm very excited for Artemis Fowl. I'm excited to see what they do with it. Have you seen the trailer yet? No. Oh, okay. I've so, been yeah, waiting we definitely, for you. Yeah, we definitely. I also haven't seen Spider-Man. I probably won't watch that until I have to be forced to watch it in the theater. That's the thing. I feel very bad for watching it at all because I feel like we should watch it after Endgame. And they kind of, again, it's a whole problem I have with Marvel in the first place that it's a company first and foremost. And it has to keep producing movies even with half of its cast dead. So it kind of wrecks its own surprises. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's kind of a weird, massive spoiler at this point but everyone says that it looks really good so yeah. which uh which if, of course is fine i'm just over here looking at into the spider-verse and thinking <sighs> it ain't gonna be that and yeah there's i've already seen the uh distracted guy uh meme because everyone's saying that far from home and then it's like i'm looking forward for spider into the spider-verse 2 which to be fair i still really liked uh homecoming so we were going to that was the original idea was to compare Into the Spider-Verse and Venom, but they have nothing in common with each other beyond the universe of Spider-Man. It would be better to compare the Lego movie and Into the Spider-Verse because A, they're directed by the same guys and written by the same guys than trying to compare Into the Spider-Verse and Venom. It Yeah, they're, they're even though they're both Marvel and they're both the, the Spider-Verse, if you will, they're incomparable. They're not. They're they're not the same movie. So Frankenstein, the <laughs> <laughs> it is called the modern Prometheus. Mary Shelley wrote it as part of a writing contest, and as much as it has to do with the idea of creation versus creator, it also has a lot to do with the idea of new life, of birth, of childhood, and motherhood. As much as the original myth of Prometheus, and I always think that it's really cool that we now have this shorthand of Frankenstein for so many awesome things, that there isn't another story that's come out since then that is better at telling the story of creator versus creation than Frankenstein. You can go and listen to Frankenstein either in its entirety or being performed shorthandedly by Kenneth Branagh and Robert De Niro, two incredible actors. You can do it for free if you go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea again that's audibletrial.com slash married to the idea for that free 30-day trial membership and free download now aaron as you know we always ask a question we've asked a question every podcast since the first one don't bother fact checking us you know it's true we always ask a question of ourselves during this podcast what is the question for today when we compare Venom and Upgrade? Well, I thought it was going to be what was the better movie, but you actually proposed the better one of... That's 3.5 now. <laughs> of what is the better symbiote? And that's a tough question because for those of you who are listening to this that have watched the movie, both of them, know that while... Well, here before I, I guess answer the question, let me give my little 
review, I guess, of the two movies. Should we go spoilerific at this point? I do. No. I do kind of want to get into. Oh, you do want to get into spoilers for this? There are parts of Upgrade that I feel like I'm going to try and be brief, but there are parts that are worth discussing. That what? Get okay, into the end so game. we'll we'll yeah we'll slap a spoiler warning on this probably from here to the end. So yeah, we'll. So if you've not watched Venom or Upgrade. We probably would just go ahead and suggest that you watch both. Upgrade is the better film, but Venom is more fun. And that's my own very personal biased opinion. Right. So my review of the two movies are Upgrade is a better made film. Uh, There are some incredible shots, especially from a technical standpoint. There are some really really cool shots they do some great point of view shots yeah they move the camera in a mechanical fashion while motion tracking shots Mm -hmm. oh man you like how when you watch some of those like youtube videos or those um like cell phone shots where they like motion tracked and it's a little jarring this one is done better but it's still just jarring enough to make you pay attention it's unnerving yeah, there you go. That's very good. I like that. Unnerving. And again, that main actor who played uh, the main character, fantastic job. Did an amazing job. I don't know if you noticed this, but before the accident, he was a little sl- hunched over. Oh, yeah. And then after the accident and when he gets the implant, he's he uh, stands up more. His movements are more robotic. Yep. Yep. I was wondering if you noticed that. Yep. I did notice that. So, upgrade, technically proficient. Blumhouse has a way of making technically proficient, yet still indie-feeling movies. Because they've made a lot of these kind of movies. Uh, Horror is their wheelhouse. This is a horror movie at heart, based on the sci-fi notion and the Black Mirror-esque premise of uh, artificial intelligence inside your brain. It's a thriller. I, w- I would. It's like it's a thriller. It's got thrilling elements. However, I'm not crazy about the villain villains, if you will. There's a weird subplot with military, and I, it, I mean, like, I don't know if it, they're trying to like man becomes machine. Yeah, and there's then, a lot of cruel, crazy themes. Do you just want to talk about that? I know we're supposed to be answering a question, but <laughs> well, I mean, we can get come you back got and you got lost. We were just supposed to give a very quick thing. Go to Spoiler Town, and yet here you are prattling on about cool te- filmmaking techniques and whatever. I mean, we can we can answer the question. It's up to you. Tell me Venom, and then we're going on. Venom's strengths lie in the relationship between eddie brock and venom the characters are well written together the ex-wife character is decent she's well acted but the villain is not very good i can't even remember his name some of the side characters are really bland and forgettable uh, and the overall story is kind of silly. They didn't, I don't feel like they spent enough time on it, you know, which is really strange because they had a lot of time to spend on it. So what I liked about it was Eddie and Venom. What I didn't like about it was most everything else. So why is it that I still liked Venom more? I got to tell you, it's because it's because Venom is not a cautionary tale. My theory of why I liked Venom more is even though Eddie is kind of a dick, he's still a good foothold to put yourself into. 
everyone wants that character that they can relate to. That's why a lot of the kids' movies, especially in the 80s and 90s, and even some of the early millennium, were very bland. Because you could be like, oh, that's totally me. Oh, I'm that guy. Look, yeah, you know, no, I'm the Blue Ranger. No, I'm the Red Ranger. You know, they, they were just bland enough so you could see yourself in those roles. That's those how shoes. boy bands rule the world. That's why. Every song's about you, girl. <laughs> yeah, girl, it's all about you. Or that's why, you know, Twilight's a thing. With that theory, maybe Eddie's just enough of a foothold where I can just enough where I like him and Venom enough that where I can kind of get past everything else. The main character, Gray, is not a bad guy, but it's so hard to kind of get on his level. I can appreciate everything that's going on, but I'm I, I ha- I'm all always a step away from what he is. I don't have a wife that's dead, thank God. Uh, you know, I'm not quadriplegic. You know, I'm not going through all of this. Even with Vin- with Eddie and Venom. I, he's still nice enough that I kind of want to see him go th- through and get through everything. This other stuff, it's more realistic because it's more of a realistic story. Even though it's sci-fi and futuristic, maybe that's maybe that's why. I mean, tell me, tell me if you think I'm wrong. It's interesting to think about it that way. What I was thinking was that Upgrade, because it's a better film, it tells a more universal story as in a cautionary tale about the dangers of a lot of things. The dangers of technology and of losing your our humanity within technology. The danger of not being in control of your actions. The danger of being physically limited by the world around you. Uh, the dangers of people becoming more machine than man. All of these themes, and I think that's why the soldier subplot is important about the idea that we gave all for our country and came back less than human, so we augmented ourselves with guns and machines and biometrics to become what our brains now think we are. Yeah, kind of like um, how some of the soldiers, I mean, even right now, whenever they come back, they don't all come back. Exactly. So I think the loss of humanity is the major theme going through Upgrade. Venom isn't about that. Venom is, I think you've hit the nail on the head, about the relationship of these two characters. And that's probably why I like it more as in I would watch it again. Usually I rank my likability of a movie by how often I would watch it again. If it's something I have that has rewatchability. There are very few movies, like event movies, that I would watch again. Interstellar is one of them. Arrival is one of them, but there are other Oscar bait event movies of the year that were like, that was amazing, spectacular, I'm never seeing it again. It drained me. I cannot go back there. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Now, there are movies that are Oscar worthy. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse is one of them because um, it just won the Golden Globes and it better get nominated for the oscars but it's completely rewatchable 100 percent um in fact i want to rewatch it for all the easter eggs that we missed the dark knight do you know that i've only watched it three times oh yeah you keep it fresh you don't want to exactly roll it i totally get that there are movies that are rewatched because they're comfort movies 
Yeah. I have those. While you're sleeping. Iron Giant. Ooh. Uh, Atlantis. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, of course. We all have our comfort movies, our movies that we can go back to again and again. A goofy movie. Yes. Venom, for me, is that it just stuck in my craw. I've never before read a Venom comic. The only experience I have from it is what you, Aaron, have told me about it. And all I knew was that it was the stuff that latched into Peter Parker and drove him to the brink of despair before he got rid of it and then attached itself to someone else. And this movie does a really good job of, of what it had to do, which was build a whole story without a Peter Parker origin story. It had to build the whole thing without Spider-Man even factoring into the picture at all. And I think it achieved that really well by making it not about the cast off of Peter Parker, but rather these two entities having to inhabit the same space. A literal alien who cannot live without a host, whose best interest is to keep its host alive, and the host who did not ask for this, but now has this thing and has to learn to live with it. It's a dysfunctional relationship that is ultimately heartwarming and i think that speaks more to our broken generation than it does anything else but there's something so different between what the trailer portrayed and what the movie actually gave us which was pretty much venom getting mad at eddie for not bringing home freaking tater tots because i asked you to six times bring me back tater tots what do you want to eat the blood of the innocent a bagel no two bagels (laughs) <laughs> there's there's something so different about seeing it in person just the two of them work off each other it's like a it's like a buddy cop movie and a romance all wrapped up into one it's that's why it's resonating they advertised for it in japan with these cartoon posters of venom carrying your shopping bags for her or making her dinner or sitting down in the park it outgrossed wonder woman and it outgrossed justice league it clearly did something right for being a flawed product, and I think it has everything to do with this relationship. This awful, amazing relationship. <laughs> the relationship is done well. It's not done the best. It's not done amazingly, but it is done well. It feels real. It feels it does feel real. And it's that- terrifying. But real, there's a way that he talks about it. You know what it is? There's not a single no homo joke in this movie. Do you know how easy it would have been? How so uh, freaking hard, yeah. how how easy it would have been to just be like, yeah, I mean, we care each other, but you know, not in a gay way or anything, whatever. Uh, uh, no homo. They, yeah. They're like, there's nothing, there's no toxic masculinity present within our protagonist. It's literally... The only time it gets close is this weird scene. I don't know if you were in the theater yeah, for this no, Yeah, I may not have been here. There's this weird scene where it's introducing the villain, and it's also kind of introducing Eddie being Eddie, but the villain is doing a tour of the facilities, and he's showing things around, and there's a little girl, and she's looking at a statue or she's asking a question or she's doing something and like they're not supposed to ask questions or they're not supposed to do this or they're not supposed to do that and like he like takes it he's like oh no ask questions be daring and this and that but like he comes across as creepy because it's the character I don't know if it's the director or the writer or if it's just the actor, but this villain is terrible. His intent is what, meaningless. What if Jeff 
Bezos and Steve Jobs. Reanimated corpse. Were actually evil. Because that's what this guy was. It's like he was just Am- the the Amazon CEO, but evil. This is where Upgrade succeeds. Because you can tell Venom is trying to do the whole technology bad at cost of human life sort of vibe with its tech villain. Like, just go straight to human trials. I ain't got time to wait on this. We have to save the world. Go now. Do it now. Eco-friendly villain, which is a thing that's kind of keeps showing up with Thanos and whatnot. Um, but in Upgrade... It does a really great job of showing that hubris of man to invent a technology it cannot hope to control. Again, we're in definitely spoiler yes, territory. Again, don't don't tell the ending. I haven't revealed anything yeah. yet. The overall villain is okay. I do not like the henchman villain. I thought he was not a good. He was not well written. His motive, maybe it was his motivation, because at one point he's trying to compare himself with the man where he shot him in the neck and killed his wife. And he's like, don't you understand? I like you. And it's like, no. It, like, And he's just like, and he's like trying to like. Oh, heavily psychotic. Again, it's not, I'm not, I don't know who to put the blame on for that. Because with the same thing with the villain in uh, Vil- uh, Venom. I think at this point they were just trying to run to the end. Like they were like, uh, We've now, you think this is the big bad, but watch, I am now going to show you it's not the big bad. It's actually this guy. Oh, no, wait, it's not this guy either. It's this guy. Yeah. We're just going to keep building layer on layer in this thriller cake. Yeah, this guy, he tried too hard to be the villain or he tried too hard to be psychotic. I just, uh, I didn't like, I didn't like him. He was not a good villain and he was not a good, like, he was not a good red herring either. You know, it just, it did not, I did not appreciate it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, you know what? I, and I'm not gonna call out the actor himself. I'm gonna call out this character choice. He just, he had this weird thing about like, I bet you look at me and you see an uneducated man and just think, oh, I'm better than you. And it's just I like got Far Cry Five villain vibes of just this weird looking guy, this unassuming guy who actually has a lot of like power just through his voice and intimidation. He was trying for that. It did not come across that way. Like, yeah, this guy could actually beat my ass, but I was never intimidated by him. So, But again, I think it's more so to have something to fight before our showdown. Like, you know, in, in like scripts or something like that, it's like person A is intimidated and person B is intimidated by them. And like then the audience is supposed to get that off of their actions and reactions. I, I got it off of the reactions. I didn't get it off of the actions. Like, everyone else was intimidated by person B, or was it by person A, but person A wasn't actually intimidating. You know what I mean? That's I what that's what, I, that's what I'm trying to say, so. But well, I'll, I'll, I'll get off, I'll stop beating this dead horse now. That's all right. Um, we actually haven't really talked about the, the symbiote upgrade, so let's talk about STEM. STEM yeah. is the program implanted in our protagonist to take him from being a quadriplegic to a fully functioning human. Essentially, it's, it's a relay, um, because it... The way he became a quadriplegic is that his spinal cord was severed because he was shot in the neck and he survived and, you know, he was able to you know keep living and he could move his neck and his head, but he can't move anything else. 
And what happens is this is just basically a relay for his central nervous system. And we think, based on the description of it, that it's pretty marvelous. It's already pretty marvelous because it instantaneously lets him move his body again. But it's later that we realize when we're in the uh, completely alone, he's watching the video um, of the crime, and all of a sudden a little voice in his head just says, may I point something out? And you realize that there is a voice literally inside his head talking to him that's literally Stem, who's speaking to him by using the reverberations in his eardrums. And he can't actually read his mind, but he's just inhabiting the same space as him and can notice things and do things with Gray's body that Gray couldn't do. Uh, Gray becomes a literal human printer, just holds a pencil yeah, in his that hand, one's cool. and it goes back and forth across a piece of paper and with, with precision creates a drawing of a tattoo. Like, uh, like an old dot matrix printer. Yeah, and as it goes on, the movie does a really great job of creating this dependence on STEM and a likable personality for an artificial intelligence. It's very much Hal from Space Odyssey sort of vibe and that he, or um, one of the robots from Interstellar in that program to be super helpful and effective is humorous in the way that it reacts to our inability to accept this artificial intelligence so he has really good logical advice and helps him because he can literally take control of his body which is where we get the first fight scene which is choreographed humorously and fun and cool with the shots all this good stuff but the main thing about it is that they do a really good job with making us the viewer dependent on him as well he becomes like a second character in every scene you want to talk to him. You want to hear what he's saying because he wants to help. He's helping you to make sure everything's okay. You don't even realize how much you, you as the viewer have become dependent on him until near the very end. Yeah, and that's what makes the loss so tragic. There's a bunch of loss at the end of this that makes it all doubly tragic. Yeah. And I know that Aaron will disagree with me on the ending. I think the ultimate ending reveal and payoff, which is not a happy payoff, it is absolutely necessary for this thriller, horror, sci-fi movie because science fiction in this context is always about the repercussions of what we do not fail to see. I'm going to like ask myself two questions and I'll give you the two answers. Is it a good ending? Yeah, it's, it's, it works for the story. It makes sense. Do I like it both in a critical and a story and even a storytelling sense? No. I oh, it don't. makes me sad and mad. Exactly. And, it, oh, yeah. It, it hurts in a lot of different ways. And even even from a storytelling thing, I don't like it. I don't mean that doesn't mean I disagree with it. Like they shouldn't have ended it that way. Would, I just don't like it. Would you have preferred them keep it more ambiguous like uh, Inception? Um, I don't know. There's a couple different routes they could have taken. So the director and writer of this is uh, Leigh Wynal, or Wynal. I forget how to pronounce his last name. But he's the director of Saw. Exactly. He is the creator, writer um, with James Wan. Which means he's a very good person at the twist, sad ending. Exactly. Um, him, yeah, James Wan, who's who did Aquaman. Which we still haven't seen, and I do want to see. Oh, I didn't know you wanted to see it. That looks Uh, fun. There's sharks. Plus Jason Momoa. And there's always Jason Momoa. (laughs) You are allowed to gawk. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, Leigh Wynnell wrote the first five parts of Saw, 
uh, with the director James Wan. At least I'm, I think it's James Wan, but I'm pretty sure it's James Wan. But the twist is is pure him, because uh, even beyond Saw, he did a, another movie called uh, Oh crap, the, not the Puppet Master. Insidious. N- yeah, Insidious, but uh, I think Insidious. No, I, James Wan did Insidious, I think. Uh, it's one with puppets and stuff like that. It's not, it, it was not as well received as Saw, um, but the twist was as wrenching as like this was and as Saw was. Because that first Saw movie, I, I'll give you a quick synopsis of me viewing the Saw movie. The first hour, sit, sitting back in the chair, just watching it. 60 minutes to uh, an hour and a half, me sitting up and intensely watching the screen. The last 10 to 15 minutes, biting my nails. Well, yeah, if I had to watch Carrie Elway's soft his own foot, I'd probably do the same thing. And it wasn't because of him it, it, that had a, had to do with it, but there so much happened in the last 15 minutes. You're just like, what? No, no what? No, what? No, oh my God, no. What? No! It was so intense. It's like because it's such a slow build at the beginning. I mean, talk about getting numb to the violence. The first half hour, they're showing people getting tortured and killed. Well, I mean, they're torturing themselves in a way, in a lot of different ways. Uh, but they're symbolism. Like, yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, but they're like, you, you like become numb to it at that point. So, but you're like, you're trying to figure out the riddles and the puzzles yourself too. You're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then, then the end. So again, from a technical standpoint, from a story writing standpoint, from a, a good flow standpoint, is it a good ending? Yeah. Do I like it personally? Do I like it as a storyteller? No. But that doesn't mean I, I disagree with it. It's just, it's kind of like watching an old episode of Twilight Zone. It's like, shit, I didn't want it to end like that. I don't know how I would have wanted it to end, but that's not how I would have wanted it to end. Well, how about this? Who would you rather have in your brain, Venom or Stem? Uh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, see, okay, so that's, that's a really good question. So if I had to pick between the two, I would probably have to go Venom because... While I would have to eat raw meat, which I hate the texture of raw meat, I at least would have someone fun to talk to. I think I'd have to go with STEM because I could do so much more than my human brain is possible and I would always be safe and could be, I know Kung Fu. Yeah. (laughs) Show me. (laughs) So definitely check out both of these movies. Venom is worth a watch because it is so much better than Spider-Man 3. Upgrade is well worth the movie, the watch rather, because of, if anything, the main actor. He does a good job. He's not a tour de force by any means, but he does a good job with this. So I'm highly impressed with this actor. And then go see Into the Spider-Verse if you've not seen it. And then was there another movie that we watched recently that I feel like we would suggest? We, you know, you were sick for so long, Aaron. I was on a sabbatical. Who knows what else we missed? (laughs) I feel like we've missed so much. You know, we did finally finish the first season of She-Ra. Yes, She-Ra was pretty good. It was stronger at the beginning than at the end, but it was still really good. I still really, really enjoyed it. For me, 
if a show or movie makes me think that it truly is over for our heroes, that's a mark of a good show or TV or yeah, movie for me. That is a really good point because there was that point I have to at believe the end. it. Yeah. If I don't believe it, then it's like, oh, they're going to get out of this. Like when we uh, watched The Avengers for the first time, I thought for a minute there at the end of The Battle of New York, oh my God, they're not going to make it. Oh God. And of course now we're so many years and so many movies later because now we watched it again just the other day and we're like, oh well, yeah, of course they're going to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> End game's coming. But in the theater, I thought it. So the same thing happened with she yeah. I believed that it was not going to turn out well. No, I, I agree with you because I remember thinking that exactly. I'm like, how the hell are they going to... They're going to leave this on a cliffhanger. This is going to happen. So. <laughs> so I leave you on this uh, on two notes the anime that i'm watching actually i just remembered is a symbiotic relationship and where the main character is the only person to be able to hear it i just remembered that yeah and i also have something to share because i also have a symbiote thing to share i have just finished a new short story that's going to be in a new anthology this year that is about a character who has a symbiotic alien inside her head that only she can hear. <laughs> so, Venom, you sly bastard, you got me to write fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Venom also got fanfic out of Upgrade. So, Upgrade c- could, in its own right, be called uh, an offshoot or uh, its own version of a Venom character, if you want to look at it that way. Because there is a Venom character or a Venom version that is uh, similar to Upgrade. character called Agent Venom. Now, it is a Venom. It is a symbiote. But it's a very controlled symbiote. And the person inside? Flash Thompson. Who, while serving the con- his country, was hurt in uh, some militia fire and is confined to a wheelchair unless the venom has taken over. So you could almost say the upgrade took a page out of that book. And it's almost like both of them are based on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which is based on Prometheus, which is based on the first stories of man. And there are only 14 stories in the world. We're just telling them over and over again and again ad nauseum. Almost like that. It's 2019, y'all. We got a new song at the beginning. We got a Patreon. And we are moving right along. There is going to be a link shared soon. I'm not sure when it will be popped up. But uh, I was actually a guest star on a podcast recently. So whenever that comes up, we will definitely be sharing that. I'll give you more information as that comes out. And then uh, we will have some guest stars lined up coming this year. So, well, it may be 2019, but Aaron has still not stopped hyping up hypotheticals. Never. You guys love it. Admit it. Welcome to 2019. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we hope this season is as good, if not better, than the last. Until next time, she's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.